Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This, episode number four. 47 plus some. turned into a, a <laughs> Radio announcer. Man? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this might be my future because I can't do Zoom teaching anymore at Institute, so I might have to be Radio Man. And by can't, he means he can. He just doesn't want to. Oh, okay. All right, y'all. These chapters are so fantastic. Um, I don't know who lumped them all together and thought we would just... I love that you think, oh, you mean from the church? I thought you meant uh, like Mormon. Oh, <laughs> well, he's just following the story. I just mean like, holy moly, like some chapters like are so thick and these are um, thickens. So this is just a continuation of last time. Remember, um, there were yeah, no chapter breaks yeah, you know, gotta, in the story. So what the story is. Alma um, has this encounter with a man named Korahor. Um, who has stopped believing in Christ and he comes from this land of people called the Zoramites. So after they had this encounter with Korahor, they thought, we've got to go deal with his whole community because obviously there's a problem in the whole community. Um, so he gathers together his dream team, two of his sons, three of his rebellious buddies from high school, um, two of his converts. His mission companion. Yeah, his mission companion. Yeah. like, And just gathers together and they go into this land. And you remember last time they get there and they walk into their church and it is, um, they've built this big tower and they are praying similar words that Korahor used um, and a, an idea of we're better than everybody else and we don't need Christ. And, and they've separated themselves from the people who they think are worthy to come into their church or not come in their church. So there's, in the church, there's these people who are separate. We talked about this. Right. What were the words? Separate, chosen, and elect. And they choose who gets to be separate, chosen, and elect. And if you're not one of those people, you don't get to come into church, which is really worrisome for all the people who don't get to come into church. They're all on the outside. Right. So as they start going and preaching in houses and in the streets and all of that, they kind of start to notice that they're having success among the poorer class of people who are particularly upset about not being allowed in the churches because of their clothes and just their social status and they can't get in. So um, they gather together on this hill, which is awesome because it's called the Hill Oneida. This is chapter 32, verse 4. And you know what's so neat about this is there's so many like similarities between words in the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. But I was like, oh, this is actually really cool that they're on this hill. Yeah. So you just picture they're on this hill and there is this And you man. love that line where it talks about and they're despised of all men because of their poverty. Yeah. Um, that's that's the label that they're like, you're just can't fit in here. Yeah. And, and then as they're gathered man. there, there is this man who comes and he comes up and asks a question in chapter five. No, verse and, five. I mean means. verse five. Chapter 5 is full of questions, though, on the chapter 5. <laughs> and we did so if you want to go to those again, <laughs> just link back. Swipe up. Um, but in chapter 32, verse 5, 
after explaining all the problems of being despised and cast out, and we even built the church with our own hands and can't worship there, um, he says this question, what shall we do? Oh, it's such a good question. Like, don't you feel like we should just ask that question every day? Right. What, what shall we do? And you remember, um, who says it? Was it Harold B. Lee? No. Pre- was are it? you talking about President Benson? Yeah. With, the most important question yes, we can ask. Yeah. He's life. talking about Paul. Yeah. Right. Lord, what would you have me? What do you want me to, to do? do? Um, and it's interesting because we have this um, little scene set up uh, with these words. Oh, let's move out of the way so you can oh, yeah. see the board. Um, this whole half is kind of the first half of your um, study guide sheet, which and we're is chapter walk you 32. Through it. Don't panic. We will walk you through that in um, detail. And these first lines up across the top, which you find in verse 6. It's interesting because this is so darling in 6. Alma heard him ask this and he turned him about and his face immediately toward him. So I don't know why he's not facing him. Maybe he's kind of just talking to the whole group. And but then he you just, just love that this one guy is like, and... I have a question. And he's like, okay. What shall we do? And he's like, okay, this is where the sermon begins. Yeah, because that question opens the door for it. Now watch six, how it teaches it. It says this. Um, He turned him about. I kind of want him to hold his face. It's so cute. (laughs) Um, And he beheld it with great joy. He was so happy. He asked, like, he's like, we're despised. We're cast out. We have no money. Everybody hates us. We're eating worms. And he's like, I'm so happy. (laughs) <laughs> um, because he says this, end of verse six, here's the three things. Their afflictions had truly humbled them and made them ready to hear the word. So you've got their afflictions humbled them and now they are ready to hear. And the in word. the scriptures, it says prepared. Don't think your scriptures are different than his are. Yeah. That's my translation. He's using the word yeah. ready instead of prepared. They're truly penitent, it says. And then you get this verse 8, which the Savior uses in what we call the Beatitudes, Mm -hmm. which are kind of bizarre. Because if you read the Beatitudes, blessed are that that word, um, the Greek word, makarios, the congratulations. Congratulations on being poor. Congratulations on being hungry. Congratulations on being persecuted. And everyone who's there is like, and he says it. "I, I, I behold that you're lowly in heart, and if so... Congratulations. Blessed are you. And you think for just a second, why are you congratulating people on being in this penitent, poor place? And and I and, and it's a principle we've talked about in here before that really in this place, desperation opens up the doorway to heaven. It just does. Mm-hmm. It puts them in a place of need. What do we do? Where do we go? Um, I need help. And that just opens the the pathway right to Jesus. And I love that he says, the next thing he said is, Behold, your brother has said, what shall we do? For we are cast out of our synagogues and we cannot worship our God. And I love that he's going to model that teaching of Christ that is so good where he's just going to meet them exactly where they are. And Mm -hmm. that's where he's going to start the lesson. Um, He looked out over that crowd he was probably teaching and talking and then someone asks a question and it's that one question that just allows him to narrow in and say, this is the starting point. This is where the lesson begins. And you love this line. Do you suppose you cannot worship God, save it be in your synagogues only? And it's going to be such a great lesson of really a lesson on how to worship and, and we're going to watch how worship then extends out into everything that we do 
prayer and serving and and all of those things but he's he's going to start slowly by talking about faith and the seed which we've talked about a hundred times and before we jump into the parts of the sermon that we love we want to talk a little bit about the seed and we've heard about the seed so many times um but there's a couple things we just want to point out you might not have noticed so as we go through and before and before we jump into it i just want to say this that it's interesting that that first question starts off like do you suppose you can't worship god outside the church and i think it's a he might have on his mind a bigger issue of like, I don't think you quite know what his character is like. Mm. If that's the conclusion you've come to, I'm most concerned about, I don't think you know what he is like. And there's so much in their sermons together about, let me teach you who he really, Mm. who he really is. Okay. Now we can talk about this idea of let me, let me, this is how faith grows, <laughs> right? This is mm-hmm. how, this is how it happens. Um, he says, let's do an experiment, right? And he starts in 27 with this experiment. And he, one, two, three, here's the prerequisites for the experiment. One, awaken, arouse your faculties. Your faculties is like your thinking and your emotions and, you know, all those things. Like get, okay, you're going to need your mind and you're going to need your heart. So um, wake them up. Um and even if in the middle of 27, you can no more than desire to believe. So number two is have a desire to believe. And I love that it's like, that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. If you're just, you just have to be on one half of a hint side of wanting it to be true. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then three is let that desire work in you. Right. Yep. Until you give place for um the seed. And you have um, written down awake, desire, and let it work in you. And um, when I read through the three that stand out to me are desire, believe, and act. And it's it's all of that same. As you're reading through these, you might. There's so many words that describe this first process um, that you just put down. How does it work for me? Like that awaking and that desire, that's part of it. It's, it's awaking and realizing I need something more than I have. And then there's a part of adding belief um, into that equation or faith or whatever um, you want to call that. And then there's going to be that part about acting or experimenting. You might write experiment here because it's all over in here. That would be a good word. Plant. Um, Letting it work in you. So... Um, the, what you decide what that looks like for you, but it's it's just that thought of there is that first moment of recognizing the need, and then there's believing that there is a solution there for you, and then there's experimenting or acting upon whatever that is, and that should be a cyclical, the same way the growth of a seed is is repeats every year. It's perennial. It, it goes over and over again. That should be the same for us as we study, as we replant um, the word in our heart. It, it just doesn't happen once and then you did it and you were done. But it's something that should be ongoing in our life, which is why I love that it's going to be compared to a seed. Because we should always be either in the cycle of desiring um, or believing or experimenting. That We should just continually be in that cycle yeah and you'll see and recognizing at the end of it like oh here's what came of this now that recognition is Mm -hmm. what's going to motivate it's going to propel me forward so um 
I think it's so important in this as well this will maybe come up twice but how he just starts off by saying look if you just have half a desire to believe if you just wish you wanted to believe mm-hmm. right if you wished you wanted like that is a perfect place to start like I just think he really elevates hope because he compares it to knowledge like there's perfect mm-hmm. knowledge over here but there is so much beauty in believing and there's so much holiness in hope like let's Let's be okay with like where you are. So and, and we love too, right at the bottom of that, when you're like, I don't get why he's talking about a seed. And what even is the seed? And sometimes uh, we sing in primary, faith is like a little seed. And the seed can be representative of so many things. We love in 28, Alma's going to tell us what the seed is he's talking about. Um, just in that very first line, now we will compare the word unto a seed. Um, so we, you've got this little spot right here where you can just write seed equals. The word. And um, it's going to be the word. And we're going to actually look at that two ways. But for right now, we'll just leave it like it is till we get till the end. But if you want to write the word right there, that's what he's um, going to teach us. And then we know what happens. You do the um, this part. Okay. So if he says, if the seed is good or if it be true, this is in verse 28. Um, he says, you plant it and it's going to begin. That word is repeated mm. more in verse in that verse more than anything else. So notice that with all oh, of yeah. these. Oh yeah, did you want to put it yeah. right there too? Um, I don't know if I wrote, did I write it there? Oh yeah, right here. You're going to notice how many times in that verse it says, it's it going to begin, begin to swell yep. And right next you. to the experiment on your paper where there's not a verse and you wonder what it might be. Oh yeah, it will begin. begin. Um, this is all verse 28. It's going to begin to swell within you. It's going to begin to enlarge your heart. It's going to begin to enlighten your mind. It's going to begin to be delicious to you. Um, and let's show where that is too. So you find those words that actually spell seed. Oh yeah, in That's verse 28. so fun, in verse 28. So let me show you what mine looks like. Will you hold this? Yep. Just so you can kind of see because your kids will think this is so fun. Yeah, if you have an English If you have... English scriptures. Um, okay. So do you see right here? Can you see it where I've written? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, it will swell, enlarge, enlighten, and be delicious, which spells seed, which is so fun. We don't know how that worked out like yeah. that, but <laughs> it really, my seminary kids every time are like, oh, did he do that on purpose? It was Oliver Cowdery. Mm-hmm. He snuck it in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is fun. But I think it's so awesome. And you can take some time to talk about what that might look like. What does it mean in real life for it, truth to like swell within you? What does it mean it will enlighten your understanding or enlarge your feelings and emotions? Like, and begin to do those mm-hmm. things. I think that is so, so and important. And it's important to talk about right here just quickly. Remember when we talked about Korahor and one of the things that was so interesting about him not ever coming around is because he denied and he withstood and he pushed against and he he wouldn't let the spirit work in him. There was this barrier to anything happening. And it's so interesting in verse 28 where it says, if you give place that a seed might be planted in your heart, which is interesting. In my scriptures I have written, prepare a landing place. Because how many of you have gardened before? And when you garden, at least in our house, <laughs> they uh, we can't just go out and plant where the garden is. 
because weeds have come up and the ground gets super hard after the winter. Like one family home evening night when my kids were growing up, we would weed, till, and prepare the furrows down. Listen, we loved it when our kids were little. Okay. Now and we so have chickens and pe peaches you... <laughs> instead for our garden because that's easier. Um, but there was that preparing the landing place that happened um, that took time. Like you can't start with the seed. There's that process. And I love that he's setting that out. If you give place, if you prepare a landing place, then the seed is going to swell and enlarge. Yeah, and, and I think that those other words, like, oh, if you desire to believe, like that's how you kind of prepare a yeah. place. But I think it actually is really important because as you we were talking, I was just like, I don't get it. Why can't you just throw seeds out and let them grow? And I was like, well, that's the Garden of Eden. Um, and that's also how the things, parable of the sower. Right, where you know, just like... That you just start realizing. You have to. Like these things, this is how the soul works. And so it's like, if you neglect the fact that this is how it works, then, then it might not happen. Yep. Um, but he says yeah, this at the end. Yeah, we play a part um, in the growing. Yeah, absolutely. In mm. 30, he says, as it swells and begins to grow, and he says, you must need say then that the seed is good. Mm. And we put that little blank there. Um, that the seed is good because I've noticed that it's, this is that cyclical process because how do you know that truth was good? Well, because when I planted it in me and I started to live it, I noticed things happening in my mind, mm -hmm. in my soul. So I know that it's good. And I put in mind the word is good instead mm. of just the seed is good. And one of the reasons why I did is because, um, I have had a lot of people over the last several years as we've had the opportunity to be more present on social media and in these faith communities, being able to talk about scripture and how we read and how we um, get in. And, and people say to me all the time, I have never liked scripture reading as much as I like it now. It has become different for me. And, and as I was writing, I was like, it because the word became good. Um, all of a sudden, because of either a preparation or a mentoring process, and I think each of us, like I can look back in my life and I know who my mentors were that helped that word become good for me. And I bet the same is true mm -hmm. for you. That, And as we get in and learn how that word becomes good and we see that cyclical and the fruit that is coming from it, then it becomes um, our responsibility to help teach someone else so the word will become good, good for them, them mm. as well um as a side note sort of on that verse 30 this one was so important for me um, in my own faith journey because in 28 you'll notice he starts out and he says if this word is true or good mm. he gives both of those words then by the time you get to verse 30 and for the rest of the chapter he drops one of those words and the word that he drops is true and for me, that was really important because I was focusing so much on whether it was true. And I'm not negating the value of finding out what is true. But I just love that Alma starts with this group and he says, why don't we focus on whether it's good or not? And I have a friend who said to me once, he was like, the friend who taught me this. He said, I'd love to go and fast and testimony <laughs> meeting and stand up and say this. I know that the scriptures are good. I know that our leaders are good. I know that God is good. And and to just, he said, it might throw everyone for a loop. Well, especially if you take... said, I know the church is good. And then you're like, oh, am I, am I being good? 
You know, am I, am I, are we the type of community that people would be like, oh, they are good, good Yeah, people. I just like the emphasis on, is it good? Yeah. Just focus on yeah, that for a so minute instead of like, of that. quit trying to be right. Just mm-hmm. be good, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyways, there's that awesome thing. 37 and 38, it says, make sure you keep nourishing it and not neglecting it. So um, that's that experiment. And mm-hmm. it's so beautiful to play around with the words in there and just kind of imagine what this looks like in real life, which is really important because you get into chapter 33. Oh, and I love this part because it's, he's given this great object lesson, right? He's like, and then this, and this could be like this and this, and he's going through. And, and at the end, it's the tree of yeah. life and, and you, you can think eat the it, fruit. Yeah, and these are humble people and probably they know about working the land and it's all everything. And you think he's having this great connection point with all of these people. And then I love this. After he was done speaking, um, these words, they still had more questions. They were like, okay, now we, we want to know this. Is there one God? And um, then I love this question. Okay, we understand about the seed. But then they say, how should we plant the seed? This or, is 33.1. Yep, or the yeah. word of which he had spoken, which he said must be planted in their hearts. Or in what manner should they begin to exercise their faith? And we love this process Chapter 33 is this process of how. Um, he, he's going to walk us through, this is what it how do we looks plant like to this? plant. I, and I just love that dude who's just like, because in my world of seminary and institute, we love to live in analogy land, you know? Yeah. And I love that someone raises their hand and like, okay, um, I'm not a farmer, so <laughs> I am just curious. How, like, how do we actually do that in our real life? Yep. And this is awesome. So we've made this list on here and you will find other ones, but this one will get you started on how do I plant this word um, in my heart? Um, How do I exercise faith in it? Mm -hmm. So starting in 33, verse 3, Alma quotes a prophet that we don't know who they are. Um, Somehow he had a record of this prophet's writings and must have been a hero of Alma's and Maybe on the brass plates or something like that. And we don't know who this guy is. And I love, before you even introduce him, um, I want to, let's just bring in two for a second. Because okay. everything Alma is going to teach is going to come out of one place, which is going to be the word. Everything he teaches is going to come out of whatever scripture he has. And he starts out in two and says, um, you ought to, to search the scriptures. That's how he's going to start this discussion. And then he goes into, um, in fact, let's just do it right now. It's almost as if that's what he said. You can just see him being like, okay, here, let me open this up. And I want to tell you about um, a, a guy named Zenus. Yeah, this guy. Who we? Who is he? We don't even know. We only have record of him right here for a yeah. second. And he's our hero. Yeah, we picked him. Because <laughs> we're like, don't, shouldn't Zenus be our hero? Who even is he? He has like nine verses. That's it. Right. And obviously he's had this great impact on Alma and on their whole faith community. And it's just neat to think about this unknown guy who had such a powerful impact. So that is why he's our hero. You'll find out why um, in just a second. Yeah, we'll come back. Should we come back and do that part after? And just jump. So the first thing he's going to teach is um, he's going to talk about prayer. Um, but I, more than prayer, this is, remember, this comes mm-hmm. up again and again and again. He actually says prayer or worship yep. in verse three. He's like making them as synonyms with each other. But look at what his prayer looks like in four through nine. Thou art merciful, O God. 
Verse 5, thou was merciful when I cried. Thou did hear me. Verse 8, thou art merciful unto thy children. Verse 9, thou hast been merciful unto me. So I think what he's really teaching is um, how do I plant this in my heart? He says, begin with thanksgiving. Begin mm-hmm. with noticing the great things of yeah, God the and love his of mercies. God. Yep, that yeah. especially active compassion. And and let's just put a little note here and then we'll come back to it because he, he wants it, he's not just showing you the mercy of God. He wants you to see the mercy of God doesn't just happen in a church. And that's what the other people think. And you think they've kicked you out of relationship with God and it isn't true. Because you can find God's mercy in your wilderness. And you can find God's mercy in your field. And you can find God's mercy in your house. And you can find God's mercy in your closet. And then I love this. Instead of saying you're going to find it in a synagogue, he tells them you can find it in the midst of your congregation. And that's what this is, is this group of people who want to worship together outside. And you can find God's mercy there. Alma says to him, I've even been cast out and experienced God's mercy in my life. And so when you're trying to think of where you can pray and where you can worship and where you can experience the mercy of God, Zenos teaches it's in your wilderness, it's in your field, it's in your house, it's in the midst of your people. That You're going to see the Lord, the mercy of the Lord everywhere. That's what's going to happen. Okay. The next thing he talks about is 12 through 13. And he says, do you believe those scriptures which have been written by them of old? Um, if you do, um, so again, we've got that idea of belief that comes in there. I love though, in particular in 13, where he says, if you believe what Zenus said, I mean, if you believe the scriptures, then you would have to believe Zenus. And this is what he said. Thou hast turned away thy judgments because of thy son. And I love that he wants to particularly focus on this belief in Christ, like believe on his grace mm-hmm. and believe in his forgiving nature. And what happens because of the son? He's, he says it twice in 11, because of the son and because of the son, which is so interesting. And I haven't ever noticed before, but remember, we're still talking about the seed and that seed comes to life because of the son, really. Yeah. Um, and this seed also is going to come to life because of the son. And you love that he just keeps bringing them back in to the scripture and back to Zenos, who he's going to be like, look, look what he's teaching us. Um, If you've, if you've recognized this mercy, if you've read the scriptures, then how can you disbelieve on the son? Okay. Then he talks about, then he gives another example from the scriptures. He brings in that account of Moses and the serpents in the wilderness that bite them. And then the staff that gets raised up Mm. in 19 through 22, really. Uh, We have 21 here, but let's add in 22 where he just says, he raises up this type of the sun and many did look to it and live. And and, And he focuses on that. He's like, look to him, begin to live, um, and, and and then that begin to believe in verse 22. Begin which, to believe in the Son of God. Yep, which you want to take back to that, again, the seed chapter. So he's still just bringing this sermon full circle because remember when he said, and then if you just let it begin, 
Yeah. Um, and it's going to be, it's that same language. It's almost as if he's saying to the man, remember when I said this, if you just begin, same thing here. If you just begin to believe, um, then that's what's going to happen. It's going to work in you. And should we do this one right now or finish the list and then talk about how that's one of the Are you going to word. 23? Yeah. Yeah, let's... Finish well, the list. Yeah, and let's then, finish the list. Okay, we'll finish the list, here. then we'll come back to twenty-two because it's such a there's mm-hmm. a really neat principle there. But go over to thirty-four. Amulet kind of takes over tag team, and he begins to teach. P.S. Let's just say this about chapter thirty-four. It's just a really rich um, chapter on um, the atoning sacrifice mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ, and so it's one of those spots where um, the Book of Mormon really shines in um, fleshing out our our belief and love of God for sending his son. And so, you love that he's just going to tag team. He tells you in three, you desired of my beloved brother of Alma that he should make known unto you. Remember the question they asked was, um, how should we do it? And here he's going to say, what should you do, right? How should how should we plant the seed? What should we do? He's just going to continue on this same lesson. And he says, like, uh, he starts off by just talking about, like, Zenus. And then there's this other man whose name is Zenic. And, and Alma talked about Moses. And he says, every single one of their teachings was to point you to the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, even our whole law of Moses that we do, all of our sacrifices, every single one of those were meant to point your heart toward him. So he actually, like, we don't have that on our list but one of the things that he's teaching them is, oh, are the ordinances we participate in, um, they can be a means of planting that seed mm-hmm. if you can see Jesus in, in the there. ordinances. And you love him for when he says, if you would just have enough faith as to plant the word in your hearts, that you might try the experiment of its goodness. So he's hinting back to that object lesson, right? He's bringing us back there. And he's like, remember we talked about, um, you're going to prepare a landing place and you're going to put the word in your heart and you're going to try the experiment of its goodness. And, um, and you're going to, you're going to ask whether the word be in the son of God or whether there should be Remember last week when we talked about there would, they were chosen and elect and mm, separate, mm. but there was no Christ there. And he's going to tell them that in five, you're going to look to see, is there Christ in this or is there no Christ? Um, that's what they're still trying to figure out. Okay, um, the next thing, remember, there's all lists of like, how do I put that truth inside my heart? What are the things that I, I need to do? In 15, he teaches and says, and thus he, Jesus, shall bring salvation to all who shall believe on his name, this being the intent of his last sacrifice, to bring about the bowels of mercy, which overpowereth justice, and bringeth about means unto men that they may have faith unto repentance. And um, this is what he seems to be teaching right here. It's like, have uh, faith unto repentance, mm-hmm. to turn to him. Um, 16 um, is, is all a part of that as well, right? Where repentance is brought about, because it's a gift of the great plan of redemption. Um, and then we have these, uh, these last verses on here, 27, 29, and then you can jump over also into chapter 35. Um, verse nine, um, where this is the, this is the whole theme of all of that, which is 27. He says, when you do cry unto the Lord, let your hearts be full, drawn out in prayer continually for your welfare and the welfare of those who are around you. And that's the theme of 29 and chapter 35 
Yeah, it, 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 it becomes also. charity once right. the word is in you. Um, so some of the things you might have written, prayer, worship, um, study the scriptures, you probably, that's several times in intermixed in here. So you may want to stick that somewhere. Focus on the grace of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, really Jesus. Um, look, begin to believe, um, have faith under repentance. He's going to talk about that turning your heart um, to Christ and then just that charity at the end. Um, that's kind of all the things that he's bringing us to. Right. And so there's just a couple lines there because you'll see how much um, uh, there is in there. Uh, 38. We don't have this on there, but look at verse 38 where he says, um, it's so interesting because remember what we said about Korahor? When I read this yesterday, I read it right in, in a row. So I read mm-hmm. 30, then 31, then 32, then th- and I kind of read it all together. And I thought for the first time ever reading, I was like, oh, I guarantee Alma and Amulek are thinking of Korahor while they're teaching. Mm. Like it's yeah. what they're teaching was like an answer for him. And it was like, oh, because look what he says in 38. Contend no more against the Holy Ghost, but that you receive it and take upon you the name of Christ and humble yourselves and worship God in whatever place you may be in, in spirit and truth. That ye and live in thanksgiving daily for the many mercies and blessings which he doth bestow upon you. He almost like summarizes mm-hmm. that whole list in yes. verse 38. He's yeah. like, this is what we're we're talking about. Um, one of the things that we think is super powerful is if you go back to chapter 33. So right in the middle of like them teaching, there is this moment where he teaches this verse in 22. And he says, um, be, when he talks about beginning to believe. So 33, 22, he says, begin to believe in the son of God, that he will come to redeem his people and that he will suffer and die to atone for their sins. And he will rise again from the dead, which shall bring about the resurrection and everything that we've hoped for. And then in verse 23, he says, and now my brethren, I desire that you would plant this word in your hearts and let that begin to swell and, and nourish that, and it will become a tree springing up into eternal life in you. And I love that he um, focuses particularly, particularly on, on all the truths that you could plant in your heart. Please plant this one. Well, and you love that as you go over from there to 34, 6, he tells you the word is in Christ. And um, we love that at the beginning where we wrote down the seed is the word, and and not just the word of scripture, but whose word is the word? And it's um, Christ. That's who's, That's where all of this came from, is from him. And so the word is just like it says in John, um, when, he, when it tells us, and he, he was the word. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you, that's the seed you're planting in your heart. It's Jesus. And it's everything. It's the fruits of Jesus working in your life, wherever you are. Um, one of the things that we loved about this that we just want to point out, it's one of our favorite parts in here because at the very end in 34, Amulek is teaching and then, um, it says, trying to see, does it stay Amulek right here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Amulek is teaching. And in verse 17, he is going to pray a prayer over all of these people. And I just want you to think if the prayer sounds familiar to you, um, particularly as you're thinking about our hero. Because remember when um, Alma says, I was reading in scripture and you remember Zenos and Zenos is the one who said, you can find God's mercy in the wilderness and you can find it in your fields and you can find it 
um, in your houses and you can find it here. And, and all of that are things that he learned because of Zenus, because of studying the word and allowing the word to grow in his heart. And I love that Amulek is going to say, he's going to leave a blessing on these people before he leaves. And this is his blessing. Um, he says, Yea, humble yourselves in verse 19 of 34 and continue in prayer unto him. Cry unto him when you are in your fields, yea, over all your flocks. Cry unto him in your houses, yea, over all your household, both morning, midday, and evening. Yea, cry unto him against the power of your enemies. Cry unto him against the devil who is an enemy to all righteousness. Cry unto him over the crops of your fields that you may prosper in them. Cry over the flocks of your fields that they may increase. But this is not all. You must pour out your souls in your closets and in your secret places and in your wilderness. Yea, and when you do not cry out unto the Lord, let your hearts be full, drawn out in prayer unto him continually for the welfare and also for the welfare of those who are around you. And I, this is one of my favorite places to go when I'm thinking in my life, well, is this okay to pray for? And, um, you know, does is, would God be interested in this? I always love coming here and looking mm. at this list of, it's almost exactly what those people were saying when they were like, well, we don't, we're not sure if we can worship because we can't go in there. And, and when Alma's like, no, Zenith says you can find his mercy in your wilderness and you can find his mercy in your field. And I love that Amulek is like, here, you cry unto him for, you know, what, whatever you need, wherever you are. And whatever is going on in your life, there's there's nothing that he doesn't care about or wouldn't be interested in. And one night last year, I was thinking about this and I was like, well, what would that prayer look like for me? If we were to say, Zenus taught Alma and Amulek. And, and if we were to look and say, well, here's what we've learned from Zenus and then from Amulek. Um, and we... Um, I got out a piece of paper and I just started writing and I was like, well, this is what my prayer would look like. Maybe it would say this. Um, these are the words I kind of hear when I read those words. Cry unto him over your work and over your husband's profession. Cry unto him for each of your children and their spouses and their, and your grandchildren. It's okay to plead to him for all of those people, everyone under your roof. And don't worry if you don't get it all right the first time, you can cry unto him three times a day because he cares about all those people just like you do. Cry unto him to help you overcome whatever you are up against today. Deadlines, people you struggle with, people who are against you. Cry unto him against the powers of the adversary. Doubt, discouragement, fear. Don't let Satan talk you out of achieving God's righteous desires for you. Cry unto him over your projects and tasks, whatever they may be, that you will do your best with them. Cry over your ideas and your creations that they may increase. Pour out your soul wherever you happen to be, in your everyday places, in your hidden heartache places, in your wilderness places. And when you don't have time to cry out, just turn your heart to him all day long for whatever you are in need of and for the needs of whoever is by you. And while you are asking him to take care of you and your needs, remember to look outside of yourself and take care of others around you. That is most often how he answers our prayers, through the actions of someone whose heart is turned to him but whose arms are outstretched to all. And I don't you love that thought that he's like, there's, there's nothing you can't pray for. There's nothing that he's not concerned with. And don't worry if you don't get it right the first time. You just try again. You pray three times a day if you need to, or five, or seven. You pray as many times a day as you want. You won't weary. 
him with your prayers. And I just love the thought of what we are being taught there, taught from a prophet whose records we don't even have, through a prophet whose records we do have, and then um, through each other just experimenting right, and yeah. trying it out and, and seeing how prayer is going to work for us. And I think that is the pattern that he was teaching is just learn, experiment with this. Desire to know more about it. Let Try it out. See how it works yeah. in your life. Yeah, because we have on the paper that what the great question is in 34.5. And he says, we beheld that the great question in your minds is whether the word be in the Son of God or if there is no Christ. Or in other words, is there life in Jesus? Mm. Is 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 there goodness in him? That's yeah. what we're trying to help you to discover. And so that's why it's our challenge. Zenus is our hero. This great verse that was that um, Emily ended by reading. Um, oh, I hope that you feel more than this box, and you and you think about what is it that yeah. I want to cry over and kind of retranslate mm-hmm. it the way she did. But find, pray in your wilderness, in your fields, and in your house, and in your closets, and your congregations and flocks in your secret places. Yep. Like, All week this week, that's yeah. the battle ready challenge. You pray wherever you are for whatever you need um, in that place. We just we love that Zenus teaches us that. And who can't wait to meet Zenus now and hear his story. And have that. And here's the promise. I found this yesterday. I was like, huh. I was like, wait, this became my new favorite verse. Um, he says, Come forth. This is 3431. After all that. Come forth, harden not your hearts any longer. Make a place, mm-hmm. remember? Yeah. For him. For behold, now is the time and day of your salvation. Mm. Start experiencing your salvation right now. And I love right that now. salvation can mean healing. It can mean rescuing. It can mean delivering. It can mean, like, it doesn't have to be a future thing right. that is it after you be... die. It should be now, right? It, start experiencing Christ's healing and his restoration in your life and um, deliverance and rescue. and Yeah, because that's what he teaches. Watch. We didn't even get to the best part. Therefore, if you will, turn to him and harden not your hearts immediately shall the great plan of redemption be brought about unto you. Oh. That it will happen in that very moment. You will start to experience redemption and salvation. So that's so good. Okay, have a a great week. Ciao. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.